Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Tune in. Uh, get it on uh, iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on uh, pulphockey.com. Appreciate you guys listening. Once again, uh, Ray Ferraro joining us from TSN, veteran of uh, many games, and uh, once scored 108 goals in junior. What's up, Ray? How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm in, uh, I'm in Montreal getting set for the uh, uh, World Junior Tournament exhibition game. So Canada plays uh, tonight in Montreal against Finland. Um, Wednesday against the Czech Republic in Ottawa, and Friday uh, against the Swiss in in Toronto, and so it's kind of like cramming for the exam and getting ready to go. And um, it's uh, it's in my opinion, it's getting to be a better tournament every year uh, because all the teams, all the countries are getting closer together, mm-hmm. and uh, so it means more people have a chance to win. I I think that's when the tournament's best. Yeah, I debate this with my buddies back home because they love this tournament. This tournament is such big ratings in Canada. It's such a big deal. People love it, and I debate this with my buddies because they love to see Canada just roll over everybody. And honestly, to me, that makes a poor tournament. Like, I'm not one of those flag-waving guys. I want Canada to win. I, it's my home country. Um, but I'm also, I've almost lived in the U.S. longer than I have uh, Canada, so I think I have a little bit of a more unbiased look at it. I hate it when Canada rolls over. I like to see a great tournament, and um, which is it's been tough for Canada the last few years. So I, I hope to see another, um, you know. Uh, well, the last yeah. time it was in Toronto and Montreal, like it is now, um, the gold medal game, uh, Canada and Russia, was was one of the most entertaining games that I've ever broadcast. Yeah. Uh, Canada was way up. I want to say they were up 5-1. Five, five, one. One, yeah, five, one. And it ended up 6-5. It was it was amazing. Amazing. It was so loud and so fun and one of the one of the things is that there were goals, which yeah. of course, you know, I'm on this little crusade here that I want to see a few more goals in the NHL. I don't want to see ten goals a night, but you're very feisty. It would be nice you're if very got to four three. You're very feisty on Twitter these days with these people. Yeah, well, because <laughs> you know, like I, I love when people have ideas. Like that, right. that, that to me, Steve is is awesome. That's like you, so you take in ideas. Somebody's got a good idea. Somebody's got a bad idea. It doesn't mm-hmm. even matter. It's mm-hmm. just their ideas. It's when people say there's lots of great two one games. <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. a couple good two on two one games. There's you know there's say there's fifty two on one game two one games that are played. Four of them are good. Yeah, and yeah. there's thirty five of them that are average, and the rest are dreadful. And to me, when I go to a sporting event, I want to be entertained. I want I want to see some goals. And the fact that there was a back and forth and there was at five one there was a chance for these for a comeback because they're kids and they make more mistakes, that was terrific. So I I, I want I want to have a few more goals and, and there's nobody on the planet that can convince me that the first place to start is the goalie gear. 
Like you, you can come up. Oh, we don't want them to get bruised, which some guy said yeah. to me today, or um, you know, or, or um, you know, they they need it for protection. I'm all for protecting the goalies, but just look at their stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, we, and there's nobody that can make me think otherwise. And until they get to that, we're going to have this issue of declining offense. And I don't think it's good for the game. Yeah, we, we've talked about that. I, I'm 100% behind you. And I, I do. The, 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 there's no better evidence than those photos of Patrick Waugh from, you know, 1993 or 96 or whatever to, to 2001 or whatever. It's, yeah, that's a great place to start. And then, um, you know, if you don't want to touch the integrity of the game, I get it, no problem. The angular posts, like we talked about in that Phoenix game, the Phoenix Leaf game um, was just, what, four posts in a row or something? Um, ang- angle those right. posts, and then, then you, don't, you, don't, you don't screw with the integrity of the game, and maybe you get some more goals that way. Angle them in, you know? Um, yeah, I just, whatever, we got to get more offense in the game. And, and the guy who points out on Twitter to you, oh, the 10 1 game. Okay, thanks, buddy. Thank you for picking the one game, the 10 1. Uh, yeah. Game that that you know was not exciting. Thanks. Uh, I'll take the okay, other. So if yeah. you take out there was a ten nothing, a ten one, and a, I don't know whatever Anaheim lost eight three or eight two yeah. in Calgary. Take those away, and your goals per game go down even further. So somebody tweeted something about there was a, um, a, a Chicago somebody they played a uh, oh Chicago Rangers played a couple of really really low scoring but really terrific games. Mm-hmm. And those are, in my opinion, those are outliers. Those don't happen very often. And when they do, that's great. If, you, if they were mostly like that, that would be fine. But I watched St. Louis play Chicago the other night, and it was 6-4. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that was more fun. Yeah. Yeah, huh? I'm like with that. you, man. For me, yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. For me, it is. Me and too. in every sport, Steve, every sport, they have made significant changes to the fabric of the game, not just around the little outside edges of the rules or anything. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball... In 1968, they had these, these incredible pitching years uh, that culminated in 1968 when Bob Gibson had a 1.12 yeah. earned run average. They lowered the mound. Yep. They cut the mound. Yep. And then in 1973, because there still was no offense, they added the designated hitter. You mean that's not into the fabric of the game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. NBA, uh, uh, they, they made, there's an illegal defense. They put a three-point line in. Mm-hmm. Football, man, they used to just mug the receivers. Now they can't breathe on them in coverage yeah. because they want offense. Exactly. All great I, I don't know why yeah. it's yeah. such I, a hard thing to understand. I, I don't know either. Yeah, like we're trying to sell the game here, and that's what gets people on their feet. And, and yeah, I just it's, it's mind-blowing to me when people – um, hit you up on Twitter with these with these comments. It's just I don't understand it. Like, yeah, it's 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 an exciting game, and and let's get it open a little bit. Um, it's it's a no brainer to me. Um, hey, by the way, we're gonna have uh, uh, your TSN counterpart Jamie Noodles McLennan. Maybe we'll get into goaltending with him, but or, but but ahead of that, I'd rather just talk about all the strange and random things that Noodles has done. So we'll bring yeah, him up. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> he's. He's, he gets around. Like, I, I don't know how he does it, right. but he just ends up in these places that other people don't get to. And I think it's probably because he's a really curious guy and he just yeah. kind of goes, goes and does things that other people don't. Yeah, we'll bring him on in, in a second here. Uh, first up, I guess in the news, uh, Ray, Cody Eakin, Dallas Stars, four games for running Henrik Lundqvist of the Rangers. Um, I, I guess your thoughts on that. Um, what did you think of the of, – well, first of all, I don't know what he was thinking. I have no idea what he was thinking. That might have been a brain lock. <laughs> and, and right when he got within a couple of feet, just said, 
Uh, I'm going right through here. <laughs> I got to keep going. Let me ask you like, this, though. Like, right? I don't even know what he could have been thinking. To uh, like, He put his shoulder into his head. He everybody, his... <laughs> Everybody's well aware you don't hit goalies and... Uh, and you know, and then of course it, it devolves into the argument of, oh, they should be fair game. It, it's nice if you think that they're not. No, like uh, the rule book says they're not. So that hit deserved the suspension. And what what I was a little confused about. I think I know where however, you're going with this. I think I know where you're going. Yes, Mike Hoffman. <laughs> no. No, I was going oh, with. No, the, we'll get to okay. we'll get to the nobody nobody protected the goalie yes, in a second. Yes. But on the same night, Mike yeah. Hoffman cross checked. Uh, who did he cross check? Somebody uh, in the back of the head. Oh, Logan. Couture. Logan Couture, Yeah, after Logan pushes him, uh, pushes him, pushes him down. Maybe ten yeah, seconds and before. So he right. gets two games. Yeah. He cross checked him in the head. Mm-hmm. Like that. That should, in my opinion, be the equal. I mean, this was Eakins, you could argue, was in the play. It was a dumb thing to do, but it was in the play. And Hoffman's was flat-out retaliatory. Yeah, yeah, for nothing, for, for, for retaliatory for no real reason. It wasn't. And he got two games. Yeah. It was vicious right in the head, right in the back of the head. Um, so the response to Lundqvist getting ran, um, we saw this with, with the Buffalo a few years ago with Ryan Miller. Um, and and Lindy Ruff was really upset about it and everything else. But man, Ray, if that's what, why didn't anybody try to kill him right away? What what's going on in twenty? Well, because the game is just different, right? I mean, uh, teams just don't do that anymore. The game is. I was amazed. Is, I was shocked. Uh, I, I'm I'm with you. I was really surprised that now you know that was Brady Shea and Jimmy Vc. Yep. Um, two young guys who had. Who are both, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe they just weren't, yeah, as aware of as as they should have been. Um, had that been had that been twenty five years ago, that would have been a <laughs> that that would have been pandemonium. Well, it's not like Eakin that. is a monster, and VC uh, didn't want any you know anything to do with him. He's not. No, know, I, yeah. I honestly, I don't even think. I mean, I don't know. I've never met either of those yeah. players, Shea or or VC, but maybe they're not even weren't even aware of. Man, I gotta I, I gotta go at least pop this guy. <laughs> I don't know, it's... but but it also, as I think about it, maybe it was so outrageous that I mean, everybody knew that you don't do that, mm-hmm. except Deacon did, and maybe everybody was just kind of uh, like. Shea turns to go to the puck. You yeah, know, like he's yeah, yeah. You would have heard it. Like when you're down there, you hear it. Right. You, I mean, you know, he had to see it. At, at least part of it, yeah. you know, because he might have already been turning to the puck. It's amazing what people think you see on the ice that sometimes you just don't see. At like ice there, level, there's yeah. an incident yeah. that happens on the ice, Steve, and there's a lot of times guys will say, what happened there? I, I was looking somewhere else. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, when you think about watching the game, you're up above, you're able to see everything. On ice level, yeah, you're blocked, and linesman blocks you, ref blocks you, your other player blocks you. And, and you're focused on you're looking at your what guy. you're doing. Right, yeah. You know, so yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a guy that was as tough as Alain Vigneault was when he played. Mm-hmm. Would have, would have been thrilled that nobody <laughs> at, at least went over and yeah. said, "Hey, you can't do that anymore." Yeah. 
Now, you know, it was it was a strange deal, but yeah. it absolutely warranted the the four games in in my opinion. Yeah, uh, but but you would like to see Hoffman also get four. I would like to see Hoffman get four games. You can't you can't use your stick like like that. <laughs> Especially for no real reason, I don't understand. But to me, it, because it was all retaliatory, mm-hmm. that's another reason why the suspension should have been a little heftier. Yeah. Now going back to people who say the goalies should be fair game when they wander outside the blue paint, uh, do you see any need for that rule to change, or are you fine with the fact that you cannot really touch them? Uh, you know. The- no, I don't see what would what would end up happening. I believe is if you said the goalies would be fair game when they go to play the puck the you know they can't really protect themselves and a lot of it has to do with uh, i believe anyway the the skates they wear they don't have the balance on their edges that mm-hmm. we would have as skaters yeah so they would just be like pinballs every time somebody <laughs> even brushed into them sure the the second part is that they're out just uh playing the puck and maybe their mindset would change if they knew that they were, you know, that they could be hit. But in most cases, any time you'd hit the goalie would be a charging penalty. Yeah, right. Because they're 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 uh, stationary. They're stationary, yeah. and you're you're, you're coming, coming from right. twenty five feet. Yeah, yeah. Good point. So I I don't. To me, it's not enough of an issue that um, that oh gee, we should look at changing the rules of of the game for that one incident, which is the first in like that that I can remember in, in a number of years, maybe back to Lucic and Miller. Um, but what I'd like to see, I, th- I think they've got that trapezoid thing backwards. Um, I've thought this from the second they put it in. Okay. Let the goalie wander out to the corner to play the puck if he wants to. He shouldn't be able to play it in the trapezoid. Oh, can't play it so, in the trapezoid. So okay. when the, a player dumps it in, uh-huh. The goalie can't go behind the net and stop it. So if you're good enough to beat it, great, good job. You get rewarded. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, right, right. You know, how many of those guys do you think they are? Nah, not very many. Right. You know, Mike Richter used to go play the puck. And, you know, I was only with the Rangers for, you know, a short period of time. But mm-hmm. the D would tell them, just, just stop it. <laughs> Leave it for us. Please don't play it. <laughs> don't touch it. Right. Um, <laughs> because somebody's going to get clobbered yeah. the way you pass it to them. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Sure, if you're if you're good enough to skate out there, stop it and handle it. Uh, you know, outside of the trapezoid, then then you should be rewarded, and that's cool. But don't touch it. If you go, oh, I like that, right? That's not a bad yeah, idea. Because just think, you could use the dump in as a pass mm-hmm. instead of rifling it around the boards a hundred miles an hour. You can basically shift side to side on the ice by passing it around the boards because mm-hmm. the goalie can't go get it. If you pass it around the boards from outside the blue line, the goalie's going to get it. Yep. Just think of on the power play when they make a bad dump in, the goalie just stops it behind the net and they shoot it down the ice. Well, yeah. he couldn't do that. Yeah. yeah I like it. Um, let's bring in Noodles and uh, maybe we'll get to that or maybe we won't, but let's bring in TSN, uh, Jamie McLennan. Calls a lot of the Ottawa Senator games and uh, also Overdrive and all that, so let's bring him in uh, right, right now. All right, so now we're going to bring in uh, Ray's counterpart at TSN, TSN 1050 Overdrive, co-host, TSN uh, color analyst at uh, a lot of the hockey games, Jamie Noodles McLennan. What's up, Noodles? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Thanks for doing our podcast. 
No problem. I'm excited to be here. Um, Ray, how soon do you think Noodles already has filed his application to be the home broadcaster at the Las Vegas Golden Knights team? Um, I think I think that list is probably long. I think Noodles has checked it out <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> No, I. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna go, leave, don't you think, Noodles? If you're gonna go somewhere, oh. like every, there's only now 31 color guys, yeah. and you have to. Everybody has to at least check it out. I know guys are doing it already. You would have to think about it for sure. Like I, I thought about that, and I said to to staff, I'm like, I don't know if I could do that commute, but uh, it would be one where I, I maybe just go for a month at a time and then just come back and. <laughs> You know, it would, <laughs> oh, I'd have to come clean out my stall when I get home, but uh, yeah. I, I, I think it, it, it's one that was uh, definitely in the back of every color person's <laughs> mind is, is how good would Vegas be uh, as a color guy. Uh, hey, babe, I'm going to be in Vegas. It's really terrible. i got to go for a month at a time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, it's yeah. part, part of work. Rough go. Right. Um, I wonder if they'll get, like, uh, some alumni, like Radek Bonk, perhaps. They brought they bring him in to do color. I, I don't know if his, his, if his English would pass muster. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's enough. It's troublesome enough for us guys that speak English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a first language, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not real sure. But... I, I, Noodles has played in some pretty bizarre places, and so Vegas would probably just yeah. fit in. I would be fine with it. Like, yeah, you're right. I played, like people forget, I started my career with the Islanders farm team, and then their farm team was Richmond Renegades in the East Coast League. So there were some some gritty moments uh, <laughs> in those days. Uh, I remember going to a, a, a concert at the rink, Public Enemy, and uh, I had a security guide with me. And this was like 1991. And Chuck D came out and basically just said, F the white man. That was his, <laughs> that's, that was his first words on stage. And the security guy with me goes, I think you're in the wrong place. <laughs> and I was like, well, I really enjoy their music. But it was, uh, it was a, a bit of a gritty start for that concert. Well, Okay, so yeah. Noodles, like, I've always kind of thought, you you're a little bit like Forrest Gump because <laughs> yeah. you end up in some places and with some people yeah. that are just really off yeah. the charts. But it's kind of it's kind of because you're really curious about things, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would. I, I at that point, yeah, I always try things out. I don't mind doing that. I was actually yesterday online teaching myself CPR. I was like, you know, I, I'm like, I wonder if I ever saw somebody with a heart attack. Like, could I, could I save them? So I Were you practicing like, on yourself? No there, no, there was nowhere. I was just kind of looking at, like, the rhythms and stuff and how I would do it. And then I, I got on eBay and, and ordered uh, one of those, uh, like, heart start things, those, uh, the, the, the paddles and stuff, just for, like, a home kit. So I, I put Steph I put in a bid on one of those. Yesterday. <laughs> so. Steph is gonna love that. Hey Steph, I gotta try this out. Just yeah, but she she's gonna have to use them on me one day when I'm healed oh. over on the treadmill. I'm I'm 15 year old or 13 years older than her, so I, I'm, uh, I'm worried that that's for me. Ray, I, I think he's doing it for Odoc, <laughs> Jeff O'Neill. <Yeah. laughs> he should bring those paddles into the studio for Odoc. <laughs> I, I got you, buddy. I got. Yeah, you. I think we're all. I think we're all aware that that's going to be needed at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the air, Odoc. Noodle saves Odoc. Okay. 
So, uh, Noodles, tell me, tell us um, a two, if you can think quick, uh, two really random, bizarre things that have that you've just stumbled into that have turned out to be like crazy good fun. Uh, let's see, crazy good fun. Um, that you can well, talk I, about. I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, I'm that trying make... to think of that. I could talk about. Yeah, like, uh, like randomly. I, like I'm not. Like I don't. Like I'm not a big strip club guy or anything like that. Like everyone makes it like I am. That's that's the other guy on the show. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm more just. Uh, I enjoy live music. Uh-huh. So uh, here's a random story. So I'm in L.A. Uh, just before the lockout's going to start in September. So I'm visiting. I'm good friends with the lead singer of Theory of a Dead Man, Tyler. Um, so I'm visiting him. They're recording their album. And I go out for dinner with him, and I'm also friends with Chad from Nickelback. Mm-hmm. And, and Chad texts me, and he goes, hey, are, I heard, are you in L.A.? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm in L.A. too. Let's have a drink later. I'm at a, a buddy's concert. Let's meet at midnight at the... Uh, w Hotel in Hollywood. Nice. So yep. I'm like, all right, no problem. So I finish up. Tyler singing the next day, so he's not drinking. We're just kind of hanging out, and I have a couple drinks. And so I take a cab down to the W Hotel, and I roll in there. I message the, the place is a zoo, and I message Chad, and I'm like, hey, I'm at the door. He goes, okay, I'll have security come and get you. Security comes and gets me, and we walk in, and he's sitting in this VIP room. So he's sitting there on the couch. And next to him is Kid Rock. The guy next to him is David Grohl from the Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah. And the, ne- the guy next to him is Scott Whelan from Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> and next to Scott Whelan is Cindy Crawford. And oh, geez. So I'm in this, like, VIP section with these people. And, you know, Chad's just introducing me as a buddy of his from back home and, you know, whatever. And, and it turned out Chad was at his buddy's concert. It was actually Kid Rock. They were... He was playing that night, so him and his, like, he had this giant Samoan bodyguard, <laughs> and he's like, hey, everyone come back to my house. So we end up, everyone, Cindy Crawford doesn't, but I met her, I guess her husband owned the hotel, Randy, whatever his name, Gerber or something. So, like, I was chatting with her, chatting with all these people. Everyone heads back to Kid Rock's Malibu mansion in this, like, entertainment bus, and it was the most random thing and all I, all I remember is him cooking us bologna sandwiches at 4.30 in the morning in his kitchen, and he, had, he was playing us his new album, and that was the, uh, the song, Singing Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that tune. And I spent the night, we ended up, I slept in his studio above his garage and had a car pick me up the next day. So I ended up, you know, from a random dinner with a buddy in sure, L.A. Yeah, right. to spending the night at Kid Rock's house. These, you're like, you're telling these guys, I'm a backup goalie for the wild. They're just blank. No <laughs> look, like nothing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly think I was like, I don't even know. I, I think I was heading to Russia. I can't even remember. I was the lockout. Or, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even remember. It was just like the most random thing. But, yeah, yeah he, I, I actually have met him, Bob, before. A few times, so we actually knew who he was. He's a hockey fan. Yeah, but he likes the Red Wings. Outside of that, yeah. yeah, outside of that, it was a, a random night. <laughs> Gee whiz, yeah, that is pretty good. That that tops a lot. That tops that tops a lot of, of things that I've done as well. So now, Noodles and I played with the Islanders, and Noodles broke in. Um, uh, I was I don't know maybe twenty seven or eight at the time, and so yeah. you know, for a guy that's as 
you know, like you're you got these contradictions to you because you're like super carefree and you'll go do a bunch of things. But I've never met anybody <laughs> that is more a type detailed than noodles. Like nobody. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem that way. You're right. He doesn't. Yeah. Noodles. So I'll give you yeah. A quick story. You tell me where this started, where you started doing this. So noodles used to sit in front of his stall when, when he had a start and he'd stare at his pads that were back-to-back, and they had to be in the same spot, right? So he'd put them down. Yeah. And Noodles' goalie partner was Ron Hextall. Noodles was the, was the sane one <laughs> on, on our team. Yeah. And so he's staring at these pads. So one day I say to Hexy, I go, I bet you he doesn't even know exactly where those pads are. Mm-hmm. So Noodles went up to go to the bathroom, and while he was gone, I went over there, and I moved him like, I don't know, three inches just to the right. <laughs> and we came back, and we're sitting there like a bunch of four-year-olds right. giggling away. Right, right. Noodles sits down, stares at the pads, gets up, and moves them back. <laughs> oh, my God, he knew. Like, how the hell did he know that? Oh, man. You know like, why? Where, would you have, where would you have started that from? I'll tell you how I know, because I always used to put a black dot on the ground. So there was a black dot that oh, I was there at in between those those pucks. <laughs> so that was my. What, what's funny is that was my focal point. So there was those two pads and then a black dot. And the black dot was I would always try and find it either through traffic or whatever. That was a, a focal point for me. And I actually, it's weird, is I learned that from Billy Smith and Hexy. So they were the ones. I mean, I was. <laughs> a strange superstitious goaltender, and I walked into an organization who couldn't have made me more superstitious (laughs) and and crazy because my first goalie partner was Ron Hextall, and my first goalie coach was Billy Smith. So if if I would have rolled into an organization with maybe a Finnish goaltender coach or a Finnish goalie partner, if Mika Kiprasov was my goalie partner to start my career, I think I would have been a lot different mentally. But I... That's where I learned my focus. That's where I learned my intensity of my game was from, uh, which I thought was the best, two of the best, Ron Hextall and Billy Smith. And I, 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 I feel bad in a sense looking back because you're always like, you know, I, I, I expended a lot more mental energy than I wanted to. And, but that was what I felt it took to be ready for the game. And unfortunately, that it, it kind of stuck with me throughout my whole career. And I, I relaxed as I got older and more confident in my ability, but it wasn't until I was probably 28, 29, 30 years old that uh, I, I kind of settled down. Yeah. When I went to L.A., Jamie Storr used to do that visualization mm-hmm. stuff, right? And so he'd yeah. lie on his back with his feet up on his bench, and he'd be moving his hands and his head like from side to side like he was making saves. <laughs> But you had to yeah. walk over top of him because the old locker room was really small. You had to walk over top of him to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so one time I walked by there, and I say to Stefan Fisset, who was our other goalie, I'm like, hey, Fis, how's he doing today? Because <laughs> sure. he had like, his eyes closed, and he's doing whatever he's doing. And he goes, oh, it looks like we're tied 1-1, he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's, Goalies are nuts, though. They really are. It's funny, Noodles, I, and I will plug your book, The Best Seat in the House. We'll probably get some more sales for you from this. But uh, it's a really good book. You talk about Billy Smith a little bit in there. And I'm so always surprised because I always thought Billy Smith was this raging lunatic. And you talk about him as a goalie coach being like a zen guy. 
And I always, yeah. that's not, when I watched him play, I'm like, he's, you know, he's nuts. He's crazy. But he was not that way, you know. As a, no, as a, yeah. no, he, he wasn't. And actually, Ray can speak about Hexie. I mean, Ron Hextall was uh, a frothing at the mouth lunatic mm-hmm. when he wanted to be yeah. on the ice. But, Ray, you could speak to his first. I mean, he's a quiet, very funny, quick-witted uh, family guy off the ice, yep. and that. But the minute that he got near a rink, the the switch would go off, and and Hexy was uh, <laughs> was very motivated. We'll call it that. Someone tell Kent well, Nielsen that he's a family man. Someone call Kent yes, Nielsen exactly. right, right now. <laughs> By the way, before I get to Hexy, there's another thing him and Noodles had in common. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's Kent that? Nielsen got in the finals? Johan Franzen got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Years later. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that, but mine was a love tap, and and Franzen scored the game-winning goal the next day, so he was miraculously resurrected from the dead. And, and Nilsson was scarred. Night, yeah, Nilsson yeah, never Nilsen, came back. I don't know. If, I don't know if his career was ever the same when, after that. Like, like, and that one, Hexy was uh, Hexy was really wound up. Whereas me, I don't even know if my heart rate went above eighty-five. I was just trying to stir things up. And it just didn't go well, so that was more yeah. my mistake. But uh, when you oh, well. uh, when you come back for the Vegas Golden Knights as their backup tender, you owed four games. You owe the league four exactly. games. <laughs> still suspended. I won't get them. I, I still get notes all the time from Ottawa Senator fans whenever one of their goalies get hurt. They say you're in between you're in between the benches. You might as well jump in. And I always write back. I'm still suspended. So uh, <laughs> and I can't touch my toes now. I've got no flexibility. <laughs> right. So. Uh, oh, well. When when we were talking about Hex and yeah. you know and and just how intense he was, like so he had by the time he got to the Islanders, you know we were older guys and his his reputation was cemented by mm-hmm. this time, and so he used to come in and put his stick as we entered the door. He'd put his stick right behind the door. Well, him? when the goalie or when the coaches wanted to come in and close the door. To you know, to have a meeting, they couldn't close it because Hexy's stick was in the way. So one of the trainers comes to me and he's like, "Hey, you've known him the longest. You got to tell him to move his stick." <laughs> you've known him the longest. <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm not telling him. You tell him to move his stick." <laughs> like he, like he's Hannibal Lecter. Like he's gonna well, like. <laughs> this is what Hex. This is one thing Hex would do. And Noodles, tell me if I'm exaggerating. But if he was having a bad day. And pucks were going by him a little bit in practice. If you scored and so much as smiled, that thing was coming out of the net on a rope. Just rip it at you. And you're like, well, where do you want me to shoot it? I'm like, <laughs> the best was, I'll never forget it. Like, we are riding the bike in training camp, and this is where you had two a days. And I, I remember Milbury, we were short of players, so Milbury had the skate sharpener from the pro shop play on one of the teams, and of course he was playing on my team. <laughs> yeah. He was just b- brutal. And Hexie and I were riding the bike, and there was this young hotshot named Zygmunt Palfi who was skating around and just flying around, and he, he ripped one off of Milan Halenka's shoulder in warm-up. Mm-hmm. And Hexie said, if that guy shoots above my knees tomorrow, I'm going to kill him. And sure enough, Ziggy the next day shot maybe like at Hexy's pants 
and Hexy chased him around the ice. <laughs> I, I, I never seen a, a guy more terrified of his own teammate, and Hexy was trying to kill him. I, I thought it was the funniest thing. I still think to this day because I could picture Hexy saying, "I'm going to kill," and you know him swearing. And yeah. back then, you're talking you're talking about a European player, so. There were a lot of uh, a lot of words coming out of his mouth. Yeah, and Paul Fee's just like, what did I do? Like, no idea. <laughs> no idea why this man is chasing me. Exactly. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, before we let you go, Noodles, uh, something I wanted to touch on. Um, so I'm from Winnipeg, born and raised. Uh, lived there for 22 years. I left the same year the Jets left the first time to come down uh, to the U.S. And Noodles, you're born and raised from Edmonton. Well, Spruce, Spruce Grove, right? But it's basically Edmonton. No, I'm St. So, Albert. St. Albert, Albert is okay. a, a suburb. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, um, unfortunately for us, we grew up, both of us, uh, nobody ever wanted to play for our teams. Um, you know, especially after the, the Oilers dynasty ended. Uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg are on the top of everybody's no trade lists. Uh, maybe Buffalo was on there as well. But, um, Ray, you, you played in both cities and, and you've been there. They're both really cold and there's not a lot to do. Um, and Noodles, I find you. Find you defending Edmonton pretty funny, um, you know, on the on the overdrive show. But Ray, where, when you were in your prime, Ray, where did you not want to go more, Edmonton or Winnipeg? Where would you? Um, it, it went back then. It went in order, I believe. Uh, Winnipeg, Quebec. Edmonton, Buffalo. Ah, so Winnipeg was the worst. Winnipeg was the winner. <laughs> and don't forget, back yeah. then they were playing in the old arena, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, had seen better days by that time. Oh, yeah. And that was like in the <laughs> in the mid-'80s. I remember a teammate of mine, uh, Paul McDermott, got traded, and we were good buddies, and he called and said, hey, I got, I got traded. And I'm like, oh, no, where'd you go? And uh, I said, don't tell me it's Winnipeg. He said, worse. <laughs> And I was like, oh, Quebec. Because none of us could speak French. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And the taxes yeah. were super high. And then the worst part for Dermy was he got traded from Quebec to Winnipeg. Yeah, he did. That's right, for Mario Merwall. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So, so he just, short of going to Edmonton for the hat trick, I mean, he was. But it's all about, there's, it really, it's about a couple things. It's about just really cold, of course. Yeah. It's the same for all of those cities. It's really cold. Um, there's. At the time, there wasn't very much to do outside of the rink, and so guys are like, I don't know, I don't want to go there. I, but if I have to go, I'm going to go. But those would be at the top for sure. I remember growing yeah. up, like you could never, like we Jets would never sign a free agent. No one, no one good would ever get traded there. They'd have to draft them, and if you couldn't draft them, you were out of luck. No one wanted to come to Winnipeg. It was always so depressing. Yeah. You're, you're right, but here's the thing now, and I watched Winnipeg play yesterday. And Edmonton, we know McDavid. Winnipeg's going to be a hell of a team in two years, mm-hmm. and, and yep. so is Edmonton. So it's about building a winner, and people will survive the cold. They'll 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 live in Edmonton if it means getting a chance at the cup. And the same with Winnipeg. I I know the guys on the show would be rattled if I said this, but when I look at Winnipeg, like they're farther ahead in Toronto than Toronto because their defensive core is better mm-hmm. and and deeper. And then you look at, I think Mark Scheifele's a hell of a player. Like, I, I, I don't know if he gets enough love for how good he is. And then Line, you know, obviously could cancel or, or go up against Matthews, Marner, and, and Nylander. I would put Scheifele, Ehlers, and Line against up those three. And then you look at Little cancels off guys like Kadri, Wheeler cancels off, cancels off JVR. 
And then I look at the defensive core. Mm -hmm. Morgan Riley is on an island maybe with Jake Gardner. And the defensive core of Winnipeg, they're, I think they're four strong if you, if you like uh, Toby Enstrom. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Myers, uh, Truba, and Big Buff. And then the goalies kind of cancel each other out. I think Hellebuck's going to be a good goalie, and I think Frederick Anderson's maybe a little bit farther ahead, but they're both learning to be starters. So you look at Winnipeg, I think they're really up and coming. We haven't even mentioned Josh Morrissey or Nick Patan or Ray, you probably know a couple of their prospects. Yeah, Kyle, well. Kyle Connor's a, another, and they've yeah. got a kid that's going to be in the World Junior Tournament this week, uh, Jack Roslevic, that uh, is really good. I mean, Winnipeg is full of prospects, like full of them. Yeah, that aren't very and, you know, far so, away. Exactly. And then, you know, Edmonton, like the McDavid factor is, is uh, you want to play with somebody special. So I think you're right that both of those cities aesthetically may not be the most mm-hmm. beautiful cities. And I call them the cold weather tax. You can add a million dollars on anybody's salary to play there. But they're, they're both going to be special organizations within the next couple of years. Do you think? Well, Lucic oh. didn't have any trouble going there, did he? No, I mean he could have he he, gone to Vancouver. They were they were drooling at his boots for and, him to go to Vancouver, and and he wanted to go to McDavid, right? I mean, yeah, I, I talked to him. I, I talked to Luch, and he he was sad to leave L.A. He really was. Yeah. He loved it there, and I thought he was a good fit, but they just couldn't fit him in with their cap situation, and he wasn't going to leave that much money on the table. That was the problem. I, I think that you know he probably could have signed the Gabrick contract if they not had given Gabrick that contract. And they, probably know, wish it, like that. and they probably wish they could swap those deals right now. Well, you got to <laughs> yeah, exactly. scratch yesterday, right? I saw that, In yeah. Boston. So, okay. Yeah. So, you're, you guys are both saying, like, the, the, the up-and-coming uh, teams, Winnipeg and Edmonton, that they are, that will override no trade clauses? That will – do you think there comes a time – well, Lucic signed, so it's not that way anymore, I guess, is what you're both kind of saying. Well, I, well, I, I think just times are, times are different, too. Mm-hmm. And so – you know the the money the guys make probably cancels out a little bit of the negativity. You know, compared to when I was talking about it, I, you know, I yeah. scored forty goals. I was making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Right, right, right. So yeah, it was yeah. like it was a it was a little bit different. So I, I think there's less of that. I if you if a team or a player rather has a chance to go to L.A. on a free agent deal or Winnipeg on a free agent deal and the money's all the same, and the you know the taxes are going to make a difference. We saw with Steven Stamkos last year; um, he could make eight million bucks in Tampa, and I think he needed eleven in Toronto for it to be the same. Yep. something you know thereabouts. So, I mean, there are lots of factors. I, I don't think it's a blanket statement anymore, though. Right. I agree. Well, right on, uh, Noodles. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us uh, on the Paul Pocky Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. Um, and no we we appreciate it. Uh, good luck with talking about the Freddie the Goat today for three straight hours. <laughs> three hours of Freddie the Goat. You gotta love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, he can win face off. <laughs> He's a big body. He's a big he body. Eat, he can eat Chipotle with the best of them. That's what he's going to be doing for pregame. So <laughs> I love it. Great. All, All right, right, guys. Thanks, Noodles. Awesome, Noodles. Thanks, Thanks hey, man. You bet. Take it. You bet. Take it easy. Well, that was good. Uh, funny. Uh, so, Winnipeg, um, Ray, Winnipeg wins. Damn you. Well, Damn you. they win until, until, as Noodle said, they're yeah. good, which they're getting there, yeah. and players are saying, you know what, that's... There's more to do in Winnipeg than Edmonton. There's more to do. It's not as cold. Well, see, I don't know that. 
Okay. All I know is when I step outside of the airport <laughs> and my hotel, it's damn cold. And that's another thing. The airport from the arena in, in Edmonton is 45 minutes. Winnipeg's right yeah. down. You're fine. So. I don't know. There you go. You should work for the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> I should. Hey, I wanted to talk talk about my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs, if you don't mind. Um, they're they're kind of meandering along. Uh, you know, they beat Pittsburgh. Great game. Uh, uh, nice, nice to see the win against Pittsburgh. They uh, outshot Phoenix, lost in a shootout. They blew a two goal lead against San Jose. And I feel like uh, on Twitter feed and and, and various uh, podcasts and stations and things like that, people are like worried about the Maple Leafs as a guy that's been. Uh, a fan of them since Daryl Sittler days, and I remember when Sittler got traded, I was crushed. I didn't know Harold Ballard was was a dick and all that. And I've I've lived through all this. Like I don't understand these people, Ray, that are upset. Like right now, they're closer to the bottom of the standings than they are in the playoffs. And I'm I'm 100 fine with that. Their future is bright. You can't expect them. To, I mean, last year they bottomed out. They were terrible. They got Austin Matthews. That was the plan. G- giving them another year of sort of like missing the playoffs. I'm fine. They're competitive in every game. Like, I don't get these people that are like, oh, they're terrible again. Oh, it's not working. Oh, you want to see them with better response. You want to see them win more. No, you don't. This is all part of it. I'm, I'm fine with this season. I don't, I don't, well, I, I, I don't know how you could look at the Leafs, um, compare them to a year ago, and say that they're in the same boat. No, it, it doesn't not. even look the same. It doesn't uh, to me anyway. It doesn't look the same. They're more talented. They're more skilled. They're in. They're in every game virtually. Um, and, and I'm talking about the ones they lose, as opposed yeah. to, of course, they're in the other ones. Yeah. But um, they've had leads that they can't hold on to. I, I look at their team and I say, well, it's, it's obvious where the growth of their team has to come from. And you can't just go invent a defenseman. <laughs> or in this case, invent three. Right. Right? It takes time. And even though the Leafs faithful probably don't want to even acknowledge this, but unless you draft one and he comes to the team in rather short order, which is one thing, the only other way is to trade one of your forwards for a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, seems probably the most likely uh, scenario. Now, I've been told, and many people have talked about the, the the quality of the draft class this year, and it's nowhere near what it's been the last couple of years. There's some good depth, but the top end, uh, right through the first round, there's going to be guys getting picked that many scouts have mentioned to me they don't even think uh, would be a first rounder in other years. Really? Oh, wow! So it's but that's yeah. just the randomness yeah. of the birth year draft. You know, it doesn't mean oh right. these players are no good. Yeah. It means in this draft where these kids were born, um, yeah. there's there's not a, a great amount of depth there. I'm 100% fine with missing the playoffs again, finishing closer to the bottom, uh, getting another decent player. Um, I, yeah, none of, these, none of these blown leads or these losses bother me. I'm okay. Last year was the worst. Uh, in the 19, for there was about six years in the 1980s that was the worst. This is fine. Yeah, whatever. This is this is part of growing, growing pains. Now next year, if we're if the Leafs are still doing this, I'm I'm kind of gonna start wondering about Babcock and, and this and that. And you know, I don't think he's going anywhere, but I'd be a little more critical. I, this is fine. Yeah, we got Freddie the Goat too. Got called up today, so you know. See, like, well, apparently they got a couple centermen that are banged up. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, Gauthier was the next guy to get called up, but they're, I mean, most of their. Most of their depth, most of their really intriguing prospects are, are forwards. And, you know, at some point they're going to have to balance that out. Right, 
Right. But yeah, okay. So just calm down, everybody that is mad about these blown leads and losses and whatever. Calm down. Um, James Myrtle of The Athletic uh, had an interesting column. Gardner's usage has uh, increased lately, and Roman Polak uh, and Hunwick has decreased, and the uh, the numbers are getting a little bit better. So that's interesting. I don't know if that's something that, you know, Babcock, you know, talked about or, or, or you know, remember he talked about Corsi the other day. He told the reporters all about Corsi. Um, so should be interesting to see. Well, it's funny. I, I think in a lot of cases, Steve, um, teams – use some form of Corsi, some, cor- some form of Fenwick. They use their own shot analytics. They use their own defensive metrics. But in the past, it never had a fancy name. Right. Um, now, the, um, uh, the gathering of information is much more detailed than it was in the past. Like those stats that NHL.com puts out, teams don't use those for yeah. their own internal metrics. Yep. They, they have their own guys that do that stuff. And so, you know, a lot of times, like it's, you know, to me, it's somewhat comical. There'll be a game with three giveaways. And you're like, wait a minute, there was like 26. <laughs> right. But that's what gets written on yeah, NHL.com. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't even matter to the teams. Yeah. I, think, I think every team uses some form of analytics, and they take the data and use it in their own way. I, I don't believe, and I, and I can't imagine that I'm going to change my mind, that it can be all analytics all the time. I think it has to be a part of the puzzle. It's just, yeah, we, in my opinion, it, you've got to watch as well. And the the real analytics people will tell you they do watch as well, but they use the analytics for for extra data on a player and or team. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, you really can't trust the, the league. Uh, and Noodles, if we had Noodles, we could talk to him about it. But, for example, the Islander guys always lead the league in hits. Who's ever tracking hits in Long Island or now Brooklyn? Um, you know they always lead, and, and shots are wildly uh, counted as well. So if you went off the NHL stats, you could be lost a little bit. So um, yes. uh, before we let before we let you go, uh, a couple things. Uh, one is Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning struggling a bit. Uh, usually they can survive without Stamkos, but uh, hard times for Tampa Bay uh, lately. Well. Uh, yes, um, so you're right. They can su- they can sustain a, a decent offensive attack without Stamkos, but that means that Tyler Johnson is scoring. He scored the other night in Edmonton, but he has not scored very much of late. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, who's a fabulous player, he's been out the last few games, as is Andre Palat. It's like the guys they need to score, the secondary scorer guys, they have not. They have not filled the bucket after mm-hmm. Stamkos has gone out. The the one guy I watched the other night, I was just blown away with how good he was, how effective was Braden Point. Um, he he played it was a game in Edmonton on Saturday. He was so good, so crafty. Um, that's a fourth round pick that um, Al Murray and his staff found um, uh, for Tampa Bay. He was uh, he was on the Canadian Junior team a couple of, a couple of winters ago, but uh, he got a chance with some um, you know with some of the ways that the roster was manipulated in the off season, you know, they needed a younger guy to come in and they were hoping somebody could take a job mm-hmm. and it was point and he's really not backed off. He's been excellent. Just another third, fourth, second rounder, Tampa Bay. 
has picked. Yeah, you've, you've yeah. got, but now you've got to have them. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. it used to be you could get by without those middle round picks, but mm-hmm. now you've got to have a couple of them for sure. Uh, last thing for you, question from Scott Hamilton. He is a fan of motocross, fan of hockey, so that's good. Good for me. Uh, he was wondering if you, <laughs> if you Ray, can discuss his Red Wings. Uh, what's going on with them? They are very average. Thanks for all you do, Scott. Uh, <clears throat> the Wings are really clearly in a transitional time. Now there's a couple of thoughts. One would be that they shouldn't have signed any veterans in the in the off season. They should have just brought up a bunch of kids. You know, guys like Ott and Vanek, yep. uh, Franz Nielsen. Um, they've been trying to do this for four or five years on the fly, and I think they're closer to being a decent team again, like a, a more prolific team than they are than they would appear right now. Um, you know, Riley Shane doesn't have a goal in 30 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomas Tatar just got a hat trick, but he, prior to that, uh, he was on pace for 11 goals. Gus Nyquist has, has had a, a terrible year. So offensively, they've, they've really hit the skids. But there's been some really intriguing guys. Anthony Mantha's done a good job for them. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, before he got hurt, uh, was looking like he was going to be a player that was going to stick there. Andreas Anthanasiu is is really good. Had an excellent rookie year last year. Then uh, he got hurt, hurt a knee earlier in the year. So I think they have some intriguing guys that are just on the horizon, but they're clearly uh, a team in transition. And one thing they, like many teams are looking for, is to add a stud on the blue line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just we just talked about it. Unless you draft them, yeah. you know, where are you going to find them? And, you know, they were, you know, they were in on Tyler Myers before he got uh, traded to Winnipeg. I know they would be interested in one of those uh, Anaheim D, but there's also about six or seven other teams that are interested in those young Anaheim D. So Bob Murray sits there in the catbird seat in Anaheim, and he's like, okay, Detroit, you want one of these guys? What do you offer? I give you A, B. No, I want C as well. And then you've got to decide if you want to step off the curb to do that. How much do you think their playoff streak influences their decisions? or would It it shouldn't, but I feel like Ken Holland patches things up with Mike Green and and those types of guys. Well, but, but here's the problem. It's tough to go all the way to the bottom. Yep while they had Pavel Datsuk and they had a more effective Nick Cronwall and they had Henrik Zetterberg, like what do you do what are you gonna do with those guys? Tell them not to try? <laughs> like they're too yeah. they were too good too, right, right. to be bad. Yep. Not good enough to be good. And you couldn't just get rid of those guys. That what that wasn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And so now they're in now they're in this position where to me they have to be completely forward looking. Because we just talked about the draft. Say they finish out of the playoffs and they draft 10th. They're not getting a guy coming to play next year anyway. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, all right, Ray, you got to run. Uh, good luck with the World Junior game tonight. Thanks for doing Pulp Hockey Podcast again. We'll be back uh, next Monday uh, to, uh, to talk some more. Thanks, man. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a, have a great week. Get your Christmas shopping done. And uh, um, as he used to say on Hill Street Blues, be safe out there. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. See you. Later. Bye.